0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled dot lcom slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there. Welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends,
1: where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Today, joining me is the wonderful Brent Hershey of Baseball HQ, Brent, ah, oh, thank you so much for being here today.
2: Thank you for the invite, Nick. I appreciate that, and uh, look forward to uh, look forward to our chat coming up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I um, if you guys don't know, listening, I don't prep anybody for this uh, on purpose because this is like a phone call. This is us just kind of chatting, talking about your life, your journey, and just you know exploring perspectives and interests, the like. And uh, before we really go into that, uh, Brent, I want you to get the opportunity to talk about yourself, what you do, uh, how people can reach you, and yeah, just all the good things that you're doing.
2: Sure. Uh, I am a co-general manager of BaseballHQ.com. My partner, uh, Ray Murphy, and I run the day-to-day aspects of the site. Uh, We've done that uh, since taking over from founder Ron Chandler in... Uh, April of 2013. Um, so you can find all our work there. It's a subscription based, uh, site, uh, having to do with all aspects of fantasy baseball. Mostly, uh, mostly season long is how it started, but there's also, uh, there's also some DFS applicable stuff tools, uh, tools and essays that we do. It's, um, you know, we update the site daily pretty much from the beginning of spring training through the end of the regular season, and um, just a quick split of how we do the duties. I handle most of the editorial uh, content, and Ray handles a little bit more of the business side and some of the uh, database and tools sides of things. But we collaborate um, on everything, like a like a good partnership. So it should happen, and well, I'm fortunate to have a, a good partner in that in that sense. Uh, Also, um, we, as part of our work, produce two books during the off-season. Ray and I are co-editors of the Ron Chandler's Baseball Forecaster, um, which has been uh, coming out for uh, about 30-some-odd years, 35th edition. The next one will be our 36th edition in 2022, Um, and we can talk about that at some point. And I also edit the minor league baseball analyst, which is a smaller uh, volume that uh, takes a look at uh, about 900 plus prospects each season with scouting reports and uh, statistical overviews. Again, all geared towards, uh, towards fantasy
1: utility. Um, so, uh, that pretty much <laughs> takes up I mean, my. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I mean, are you also... You're obviously on Twitter. Uh, I believe it's just as yes. simple as at Brent Hershey. It's uh, at Brent HQ, actually. Ah, okay, cool. Uh, there you go. And Definitely yeah, you can... Brent a follow there, Brent HQ. Um, and do you do any podcasting? Do you... Uh, it, or is it just more uh, kind of behind the scenes uh, uh, with Baseball HQ now?
2: So uh, this spring, uh, our um, our main um prospects writer, Chris Blessing, and I started a podcast. Um, one of my own kind of personal interests uh, over the past couple of years has have been the minor leagues. Um, and again, looking, you know, kind of doing some scouting slash observation uh, from from uh, of various in-person games that I can get to. Uh, I just happen to be, I live in Philadelphia, and so I have about six or eight Parks, uh, minor league parks within, uh, an hour and a half or so drive, um, and kind of all, all the way from, uh, low A up to, uh, triple A. And so on a normal year, um, you know, I do, I do a lot, a lot of, uh, attending minor league games and, uh, and then using that for both content for the site, uh, as well as for, uh, what we compile in the minor league baseball analyst each fall um Uh, so anyway chris chris blessing and i chris does chris is out of atlanta uh has been writing for us and is our main prospect writer for uh i don't know how long many years and uh so he and i just this year started a weekly podcast around based around uh the prospects that we get to see live and again kind of uh how they adapt to fantasy value um in uh, you know, especially in keeper and uh, sort of long term dynasty
1: Yeah. So um, uh, just look at you podcasting away now. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I've about... I've never that. done it before. This is this is the first time actually I'm doing it. now. I. Yeah. So I, what I want to uh, hear about? Uh, yes, I do want to go through with you later on about that process of. Uh, you know, being with Ray and doing the day to day and what that looks like and the evolutions and some of the decisions that you've had to make. I really want, do want to get into that. Uh, but first, as I typically go with, uh, I, I want to start at the beginning with you. Um, and kind of how, you know, what it was like growing up for you. Is this what you always envisioned for yourself to be? I mean, obviously not a website, but being involved in baseball or writing in some kind or yeah. was there, you know, eight year old Brent Hershey? Was he uh, thinking of different things?
2: Uh, no, I grew up uh, a baseball nut, um, in uh, but very much out of context. In that, uh, I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, uh, near Lancaster,
1: Pennsylvania, or oh, yeah, west yeah. of I've Philadelphia. I've been there multiple times, yeah, yeah,
2: uh, in that area, uh, on a farm. Uh, we had. Uh, my parents had a dairy farm for the first five years of my life, then, uh, sold the cows and, uh, it was my, it had been my grandfather's farm that my, uh, dad and mom had taken over and bought. Um, and then, uh, they put up a chicken house. And so for the most of my growing up years, uh, we, you know, we, we were, we had, we collected eggs. I mean, it was an egg operation for 60,000 chickens. <laughs> uh, wow. So, and the thing that I remember is that, is that being a baseball nut, I always, uh, I always related to the length of this chicken house was about 400 feet long. I don't know where I learned that somewhere, but uh, <laughs> this is about 400 feet long. And I was like, so that's the that's the same uh, amount of space as like you know Mike Schmidt, my childhood hero, would smack a home run over the right, right. four hundred eight sign in Veterans Stadium, and I was like, "Well, that's that's how long that is."
1: <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. Uh, and um, but anyway, it always uh, you know growing up on a farm, there was always
1: uh, stuff to do, and so I well, there was also space. I mean. Uh, I I imagine you had yourself a little field or someplace that you played (laughs) there. Uh,
2: You would be exactly right. Uh, My, uh, one of the, uh, one of the fun things was yes. uh, At some point in my youth, my, I convinced my dad to create uh, a, a base, you know, basically plant grass in portion of a, in a portion of a field that, you know, used to have corn in it or whatever. And actually built me a, uh, or had someone come and built, build me a backstop, uh, you know, okay. with an overhang and the whole yes. thing. Um, and the, the, deal was as long as I mowed it and kept it good, you know, uh, I could have this field. here. So we That's built a little, so, great. so we built a little mound and, uh, you know, did some, yeah, did, I had friends over from the, Neighborhood at various points, you know, as many as you could gather. Right,
1: you were the cool kid with the fields. <laughs> it was.
2: Uh, it, I mean, looking back, it was. It was. Uh, that's pretty like cool. That's a, that's
1: a dream, man. I mean, did you have like a uh, an outfield fence as well?
2: No, no outfield fence. Uh, okay. but but it was a but it was kind of a square plot of ground of grass, basically. Yeah. And then and then in, and then in the fall we would. You know play across it and and put up a you know, kind of a football field and again a bunch of neighborhood kids or friends whatever would come on the weekends especially and we' would play football in the fall and
0: that sounds great the
1: uh, there's wow. a, I have this memory of um the Berenstein Bears I don't know if you're familiar with it yeah uh, but I uh, they they have a, a book that's just about baseball and learning baseball. And they have an, an image, and I see this illustration of a ball field that does not have a fence. It's a lot of overgrown grass, um, has a basic backstop, um, you know, just a, there's a, there's a basic mound or whatever. I'm imagining you as uh, your friends as the Berenstain Bears, essentially. Um, and I remember looking at that and just, you know, here I am in this, uh, you know, in Brooklyn near Prospect Park. Yeah, Uh, where i would have to you know plead and beg my parents like please can we go to the park can we go Mm -hmm. like even though it's like half a block away from me um and then when i go the fields are terrible and there's always packed and i can never really do anything on it yeah um and all i would say is ah the suburbs where they have (laughs) fields and a backyard and all of that and uh so yeah there's um you know, with everything, of course, there's a balance. That's so a, you know, living off yep. there and, and living in a city and that kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that, that, that sounds amazing, Brent. So you, uh, so you must have played for a long time then.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I played, you know, youth leagues and stuff and up through, up through high school, uh, just, just two years of high school, I think. Um, but just super enjoyed it and, and always, you know, always was the sort of, that nerd guy uh, in my family, and and this this whole obsession with sports, like to my parents was totally foreign. I mean, they they had never been to you know. So we were uh, an hour and an hour and twenty minutes, or an hour and fifteen minute drive to like you know the park in South to the Phillies, the veteran Stadium in South Philly. They had never been to a game or really were interested in going to a game before I came along um you know my mom tells stories of me uh, you know keeping my own stat books with the phillies as i was growing up and poring over the box scores in the newspaper each day when they would come in at at you know when i was 8 10 years old and they they didn't know what they had on their hands <laughs> <Of> <laughs> at course, that point yeah. and um and they you know they were yeah they were farmers and rural and uh you know didn't visit city a whole lot. Um, but as I grew older, they, you know, we did some, we did some trips into Phillies games and, and, uh, you know, they grew to kind of support what this, their crazy son was kind of interested in. (laughs) That's
1: good. Uh, I mean, (laughs) to a point now that I'm seeing over your right shoulder, um, y'all can not see it, of course, just a podcast, but we're in Brent's basement. It's a wonderful basement. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I got, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, don't worry, but it's it's really uh... cool because you have a giant whiteboard that has so many little, you know, I I can't even read it from here. There's a lot of small text on it, but Brent, you were explaining to me that is depth charts, uh, essentially of, uh, it looks like either AL or NL from here. Yeah. Um, And it's amazing. You've written out everyone in every position, uh, on this, th- and that's that's uh, your parents didn't know that this is what you'd you'd become, um, yeah. In the best way, Uh because I'm so jealous of that. I mean, that's just uh, that's one of those things. Like, right there, there's a man. I wish I had that all the time for myself, for every single rotation. So yeah. when I, you know, I can always just look to my right and go, okay, right, yes, yeah. Tanner Hauk, he would be right, replacing Martin Perez and right. Richard theoretically, of course, because it's Eduardo and Evaldi and so- yeah.
2: That's yeah, the yeah. idea. That's the idea behind that is like, so, so I don't good. forget stuff. But yeah, yeah, actually, as I'm as I'm telling you about this uh, childhood obsession with writing stuff down and keeping notebooks and stuff that these uh, depth charts are kind of my
1: 50 year old self's version of that, basically. Mm, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. So, um, so, OK, so here you are. You you're in you're in high school, everything along those lines. You're going to go off to college. Uh, what was your pursuit at that point? Uh,
2: so, uh, I, at that point knew that, you know, everybody, I mean, I wanted to certainly be a ball player, uh, at high school level realized that wasn't happening. Um, but I knew I was interested in writing. And so I went, uh, applied and started, uh, and finished a journalism program at uh, temple university. Uh, and when I, uh, did that i planned on doing kind of focusing on on sports writing or broadcasting um with an eye towards you know with an eye towards baseball especially but i followed football as well and some of the other sports but baseball was the main thing um so i entered that program thinking i was going to do sort of a broadcast journalism degree um at this at temple university which is which was, uh, you know, like I said, in Philadelphia, an hour or so away.
1: Man, oh, cool. So, so what was your first gig then? <laughs> so, uh, so
2: then actually things sort of shifted. <laughs> uh, so I was also into uh, into music, a good oh, deal, yeah? as a lot of a lot of teenagers were, of course. Um, and uh, I was. Brought up in a um, in a, a Christian, a Mennonite home, um, uh, you know, a, a upbringing.
1: My uh, um, my friend who uh, is in Lanc- Lancaster, uh, Mennonite yeah. as well, so no yeah. surprise there.
2: Right, and that's very similar. And and for those that aren't as familiar, um, it has some has some shared values with the Amish community, which is very much a right. big part of Lancaster and, um, uh, that, um, and we're not, you know, my, we weren't Amish and, and, uh, you know, we had electricity and cars and all that right. thing, but the Mennonites are, share some values, uh, community peace building, that kind of thing with the, uh, Amish anyway. So, uh, I was, I actually was heavily involved at that point, around high school,
1: in kind of the uh, Christian rock music scene. (laughs) Get out of here! Were you was this? uh, Were you guitar focused, or are you talking drums?
2: Uh, So I I actually have fiddled some with percussion stuff. Okay. But again, it was uh, my interest was more went uh, was more on the writing side, Mm. uh, doing like. Music critique sort of stuff, uh, music reviews. So this is a long way of getting to that, uh, I was a part of a, uh, again, with this, with a different friend of mine. Uh, we ran a Christian rock music newsletter, which evolved into a magazine for about eight years or so. Get out of here. (laughs)
1: What was it called?
2: It was called, uh, Noteboard Magazine. Uh, n-o-t-e-b-o-r-e-d yeah right and and so we would uh uh we would there was a you know back then a much smaller kind of niche christian music industry and even within that smaller christian music industry there was like a more of a more progressive rock heavy metal kind of but also kind of alternative. And so we covered all that sort of stuff, this little niche of a niche industry.
1: <laughs> what was the best of that niche industry? Like the, the best, like the quintessential one. Like, for example, for if you want to say prog rock these days or prog rock slash metal, you'll say like Porcupine Tree or Dream Theater or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what
1: were the, uh, the the main kings of that genre for you?
2: The, as far as groups and artists and stuff? Yeah, that you covered yeah, yeah. back then. Yeah, so there was a there was a group called the Seventy Sevens. The Seventy Sevens, okay. And then there was a group called Undercover, uh, yeah. and one that people might know a little bit of because there was some crossover is there was a heavy metal band called Striper. Uh, With a Y. That, uh, yes, right, and it's the whole black and yellow motif and all that sort of thing. I uh, feel like a glam, really- you know, very much a glam sort of. Pop metal sort of thing, so it was all that, all that sort of uh, stuff that we covered. And we would mainly, um, you know, we started out doing music reviews. We would buy (laughs) cassettes at the Christian bookstore wherever we'd get them, and we'd review them. Then, as we got more uh, known, we would, you know, we would work with promotional, uh, with the promotional people at the record companies, and they would send us stuff to review and. You know, it was like its own little industry and, and, uh, it was quite, <laughs> quite interesting, uh, in many respects. Uh, but all that to say that that was sort of in, in that portion of my life in when I was in college, that was sort of developing into a very, uh, I mean, it never evolved into a full time job, but it was a all consuming kind of, uh, you know side thing <laughs> sure yeah and and so i basically uh switched at some point early on in my college communications focus out of kind of the broadcasting into more like print journalism uh and then and then kind of used this this magazine almost as my unofficial sort of internship so when i had assignments to do uh, journalism wise that fit into um, to fit into projects that I could use for the magazine, this music magazine. Uh, I would often work with the profs and, you know, obviously clear it, but kind of coordinate that somehow. Right. Uh, and it was a, it was quite, it, it was quite an interesting experience uh, at that point too. Um, just because we would, uh because we were selling subscriptions to the magazine, uh, trying to get it distributed. So we would go to kind of local concerts where these, where some of these artists would be, or there was, you know, a couple of music festivals uh, specifically geared towards this genre uh, that we would go and set up tables. And But then, but then it was also uh, uh, incredible kind of exposure to the business side of things too. I mean, we had to, so advertising at one point and we had to kind of uh d- walk the line between kind of being uh being honest about the artistry that we were reviewing but not ticking off you know these small companies that also would you know support us advertising wise uh right, if that right. makes any sense <laughs> yeah, yeah of course yeah. and uh and and yeah, so it, I, I would say just that it was a eye-opening experience on many levels
1: for well, I someone. It set the at you a know, young set the age table <laughs> for you. I mean, you eventually. you know, Then you fast forward to 2013. You and Ray are now kind of given the keys to the castle a bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and what is that like? I, okay, I I can't hold back anymore. I got to ask. <laughs> Um despite even oh you know what I'm gonna save it one more. I got one more question first. Okay. Right. What is Brent Hershey like in college?
2: Uh sort of a prude probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: well, I mean, the thing is I was a you know, I was a somewhat sheltered uh Mennonite farm boy, even though I had this other stuff going on. Sure, yeah. And, and being that I chose to go to a, you know, kind of a major public university, urban public university. Uh, I was not, um, yeah, I, I was a little surprised and not ready for kind of some of the party atmosphere stuff. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I told so you that, that. So that's what I mean by that. That's right. Of right. 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 Um, and I, uh, And because I was working, because we had so much going on with this, with uh, the magazine, there were often times that, and I lived close to home. I mean, you know, within an hour's train ride, basically, uh, I would often go home on the weekends and basically just work on the, work on the magazine.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. uh, A
2: good, a good bit. So I didn't, you know, and, and Temple at that point was a, um, uh, predominantly kind of commuter school. I mean, I lived on campus and they had some on-campus stuff, but it was not like a, um, you know, Penn state where a lot of my uh, friends go to where the college town and, and, uh, that, so that, that, that setting was different too. Gotcha. But like, I've, I've always been sort of, uh, you know, a little bit more on the serious side, I guess. And so that, that probably I'm sure that's that uh, well, who I, may, I was yes in college no.
0: too.
1: Uh, I mean, for what I've, you know, how much I've interacted with you, Brent, I, uh, there's a, there's a, certainly a, a very positive aura and um, yeah, I don't know. You never really, I've only really known you in the past, the uh, past couple of years uh, so uh, just having the exploration of saying, "All right, what?" I'm trying to envision you um, <laughs> going off to college, going out to Temple, working on this magazine, um, still having this love for baseball. Just trying to get yeah. a good sense of, uh, yeah. uh, of, of your history. Um, so, you. so here we are. Um, you've you've been given the keys of the castle here, and I I, I I'm just so curious. What is that day to day like? You know, running running a major website like that. Yeah. I, what, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, cool. I run a website. And they think, what is that? What does that even mean? Right. Um, yeah. Do you, is is it routine based? Is it meeting based? Like what tomorrow is, is Thursday, for example, if you want to run down what you have to do, uh, Thursday.
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, my primary, uh, well, I mean, yeah, my, my primary Thing is the is the content that goes on the site. So we have uh you know about overall about fifty or so freelance writers. Uh some guys that are kind of on a once a week schedule, some guys are doing stuff daily, some guys uh you know maybe just uh, half a dozen articles a year. And there's all sorts of different buckets that we have, just like, just like picture list does. I mean, you know, sorts of, uh, types of articles, right? Like a going deep Uh,
1: article or a, a, you know, SP roundup, that kind of stuff.
2: Right. Uh, and so kind of scheduling that, um, and, and this time of the year, there's not a lot of that because, um, because we're kind of you know, in the in-season routine. Because
1: football exists, Brent. And it's terrible. <laughs> I it's terrible. I hear you. Uh,
2: so that so that's a good chunk of my time is kind of the editorial uh, schedule. Uh, and, and that means sometimes uh, working with uh, or being in communication with the other editors that uh, we swap off with or the actual writers giving them feedback on how we uh you know think that they could be more clear or better communicators um at some point it's like higher up uh, or yeah uh more broad-based things like putting together a or updating our editorial manual style guide that you know that i haven't that has this is in bad need of a of a of a redo um So that's one part of it. I mean, the second part of it is just, uh, spending time each morning, like catching up and like, uh, on all the, especially this time of year, all the games that happen. Oh, yeah. um, Throughout the evening. And sometimes I, I mean, actually, you know, sometimes I think, oh, that's not, you know, I almost feel guilty about having to go through all the box scores or, or checking out the highlights or, Going back, oh, I want to, you know, I noticed this guy in the box score. I haven't seen him pitch. I can pull up, you know, his in, you know, his couple innings on, you know, on the MLB archive or whatever. Oftentimes I think of that as, as like extra, but it's actually what I need. Like it's, it's part of what I need to do to kind of feel like, you know, it's the same, I'm sure for you to, to uh, be as, as as informed as possible for, uh, right. for your I mean, readership. This is,
1: this is something I've, I've talked about a lot where, um, yeah, you know, just to give a glimpse, you know, just to, to, to play off of it. Like for me, 11 to 1 a.m., um, Sunday through Friday is, uh, is when I do the roundups, right? And then Saturday mornings yeah. or Sunday mornings, I'll sometimes allow myself to do it instead, but sometimes I just do those at night anyway. But that yeah. roundup is a necessity for me. Because not only, of course, I need to get it out right when the games are over and just obviously allows more time for people to read it, considering these are such time-sensitive articles that yeah. it just benefits the site and everybody the sooner that that's out, right? Yeah. I uh, But if I don't do the roundup, which I've only not done once since the start of 2015, it's my sister's mm-hmm. wedding, Um, was I if I don't do that, then I don't have my knowledge base to be able to talk about this stuff. Yeah, You know, I'm yeah. forcing myself. If I say, huh, I don't know this guy. Great. I have to go and watch him now. And I'm saying, OK, cool. And now I understand what Taylor Hearn and he throws his night through my power fastball. Right. Whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Obviously, obviously there's a balance of like understanding how to look at Savant and, and grasp as much information as you can from their amazing data. Yeah. But uh, it's still not this quite the same yeah. as being able to watch them and be able to have to write about them. Right. So yeah. then. So after that, then, of course, I get to go to sleep. Then I go wake up in the morning. I've got to do three things, which I fortunately get to do on a stream. So it's like nine to 11 yeah. is the, the morning podcast, the streamers for that day, and then a YouTube video that then also gets pushed off to Instagram and TikTok from parts of it. Yeah. Very lucky to have a social media team to do this. I figure, by the way, I'm just going to go through this. I figure it might be helpful for some people listening to understand what this life is like. Yeah. Um, and then, um, after that is where the day gets interesting to me. I mean, Mondays, it's very straightforward of just like, eat some food, do the list stream, do that for four hours and write that mm-hmm. ridiculous piece, then talk yeah. about it with Fast. But, um, but other days, um, I meet with Miles Nelson, who's our director of staff now. He's amazing. He essentially is just like, okay, Nick, these are the things that we got to make sure that you're aware of and doing because now it's just like... Mm-hmm. There's too many things, Brent. Yeah. There are too yeah. many things. <laughs> and, no, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's overwhelming, but I think, I think people don't realize that my day is spent mostly. I mean, this is a fun part. This is like a fun break. I get to yeah. do a podcast yeah. with Brent Hershey. Oh my God. Um, but I, it's a lot of meetings. You know, I have yeah. multiple times a week I meet with either the UI UX team, the, the database team, the, development team. Um, I maybe meet with the marketing team or I meet with certain writers. I want to talk about certain things or managers. And it's a lot of that. It's just constant, constant planning for for yeah. what's ahead and making sure that yeah. we're all on the same page about stuff, sending messages to everybody, coordinating mm-hmm. that. And then when I'm not, I'm pacing in my kitchen, talking about different <laughs> ideas, thinking about them, saying them out yeah. loud. Like, do you want to go ahead and do this? If I want to go ahead and do that, I message this person about that thing. Yeah. And among all of that is maybe writing some more or, I or or watching something it's it, I know that sounds very nebulous but I imagine you can have the same feeling yeah. of yeah they're all oh yeah there's and then there's all the business things of like I gotta talk to our accountant I gotta talk right. to yeah I gotta yep. figure out our podcast advertising by the way if you want to buy advertise for the podcast please send me an email uh, info at but like oh yeah we need a new graphics designer so cool we got to go and do that yeah. Um, yeah. it's just yeah. always something new Uh, and it's exciting it's overwhelming, um, but it's uh, it's great at least for uh, from my perspective. I call it good busy. Um, mm-hmm. I am someone who thrives off of creation and projects coming to reality and doing more things and seeing yeah. you know the pouring the water on the plant and not knowing how long it's gonna take and how much water, but eventually yeah. believing that something cool will be sprouting from it soon. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I have I def- to think you're the same way.
2: Yeah, it, it definitely is uh, the same types of things. Um, you know, uh, Ray and I are on you know Slack kind of all day long uh, for right. different you know at different points. Uh, but you know, there's yeah. I mean, it's and we're discussing <laughs> or you know, or we'll jump on the phone call or there'll be you know a phone call like like for instance now. Now, once a week, we're, you know, we're on a call, Ray and I, with Ron about planning for the book already, you know, kind right, of yeah. the, the beginning parts of that, who are, who are going to be our possible cover subjects, you know, looking right. through, looking up uh, through our database of pictures of finding that one great photograph that we could see as a cover image that, uh, you know, highlights some great player, but also is inviting for people uh But Brent, it, also, it has to be
1: Shohei Ohtani. Come on, if it's not Shohei Ohtani, I think the people will be upset. <laughs> I'm not going to reveal who. <laughs> our, our thing is on, yet. I, I need a Nick but, Pollock and Friends exclusive here, Brent. I'm Please. sorry, that, this isn't
2: this isn't the, <laughs> this not the place for that. Uh, but it's that but it's that type of thing. Um, uh, those types of things that are throughout the day and are like a higher level uh, thing because we're running an organization now. One. One, you know, one portion of what, of the situation we're in is that we're corporately owned, right? I mean, so, right. Gannett, yeah. USA Today owns us. So there's a certain amount of, uh, businessy types of things that, um, that we don't have to, that aren't necessarily are within our purview to do. Sure. But, you know, but you, but we do have meetings with those people uh throughout the year at various times to go over sort of long-term goals and expectations and all that sort of thing too which is which is part of it um but it's uh you know and i you know uh, i also got into this because i like the writing and analysis part of it but there's times when i i don't produce a whole lot of writing because there's just not you know there's just not personally. Because so there's not time for it and thankfully you know i think as you you would say too i mean surrounding yourself with a great team of uh analysts and and just talented people um you know makes our job easier in in the oh uh, actual creation of stuff um, but there's still also certainly uh skill and and uh work goes into kind of coordinating all the different aspects of of running, uh, you know, running a business like that. It's interesting. It,
1: it sounds, you know, from from the outside, um, it sounds simple. It sounds like what you don't actually like write as much or create the yeah. content. You just have meetings and make decisions and communicate. That sounds innately. Oh, that seems like a pretty easy job or not stressful, <laughs> whatever. And I mean, I enjoy it. I, yeah. I I enjoy this kind of talk because it's um I don't know I mean I think you're like me in a sense of uh, figuring out problems and finding solutions and yeah that, that moment of creation of like oh man we could do this thing that yeah. would be really cool you know I remember pacing in my kitchen and realizing oh we can have a a reward a Patreon of having our community members to actually hang out with us inside of our Discord. That's like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. That was like a a light bulb going off. And those moments are why we do it. Um yeah. but man, it is difficult and you have to really be disciplined with scheduling and uh just constant routine of by this time I'm going to do this, by this time I'm going to do that. Really yeah. taking that time I uh, and, and then also making tough decisions. It's not always like you know, like to imagine. There's always a right decision, and that's the one you're going to make. You know, I have this general right. view of the world that with every problem, there's a way to fix it, and that's not true. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, that's exactly right. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's um, yeah, I I just uh can relate for sure uh, about those about those. So- because, and I don't know about you, but sometimes people, you know, casually ask me what I do or what my days like. And I sort of stumble around to try to, yeah. <laughs> to try to it's put into distinct words about, right. uh, about, about what that, uh, about what it's that a lot of management, entails.
1: communication, and content creation. Um, yeah. but I, uh, what I want to ask is, is just, you know, you have a lot of really valuable experience with this. I'm sure a lot of people love to hear your insight of certain <laughs> situations you've been in. Um, and I wonder, you know, was there in the past 10 years or, I mean, I guess eight years that you've been in this position, uh, what is one decision that you had to make that wasn't an easy one, but it was the right one that you, I uh, that, you know, wasn't, it came to a conclusion, but like you want to say like, Hey, I learned a lesson from that. Um, and mm-hmm. I've been applying it ever since.
2: I'm not sure about the impact of it, but I do think of. Uh, of one thing kind of COVID related is, well, and just, I I guess I could just say the whole COVID uh, thing itself, (laughs) right. Uh, You know, kind of when, when it hit uh, is according to our calendar, you know, it was right after uh, Florida, Florida, you know, kind of a successful uh, live event that we did. Um, That was so
1: much fun by the way, Brent. And I haven't even said before that, you know, I am, I just want to put it out there, uh, in 2019 when you invited me, uh, and fast and welcomed us with open arms. I mean, such an amazing time. Uh, and again in Florida in 2020, just just the best. So really thank you for that. It was just an absolute wonderful time.
2: But like, yeah, but coming off the COVID thing, uh, just itself, I mean, making these decisions about, uh, you know, we had again from uh, from USA Today got the sense soon after it was realized that that was going to be a longer shutdown, that the that the season wasn't going to be you know wasn't going to start on time, you know it was going to be delayed whatever ten days or whatever <laughs> what crazy thing was at the beginning uh, last March um, that you know we needed to kind of cut down our content and how to keep our subscribers uh, engaged at a at a lower level when nothing, I mean, not much was happening. Um, and so we had to think creatively there about what kind of within, within pretty tight parameters, um, uh, budget parameters that we were given, uh, of, of how to effectively give our subscribers something so that once the, that once the season came back and we got, You know partially on the other side of this is at least from when the season would get started that we would still have interest in that um and uh and then you know another example would be around this time last year when we were whatever halfway through the 60 game season and we were starting to have meetings about uh the forecaster book we had to decide what does a what does a sixty game season do oh, i mean uh, for those oh, for those man. that aren't you know for those that aren't familiar or as familiar with the forecaster you know it's heavily stat and metrics based um it's uh you know we put extra uh extra emphasis on kind of long term trends and here we had a you know a sixty game season that's gonna be set right alongside these For 162 game seasons in each player box and how to, uh, you know, how much weight to put on that? Does does that change? You know, we run as part of the forecaster sort of an initial projection line very, very uh, early on, projection line at the bottom of each player box. Uh, how does that formula get tweaked to incorporate 2020 and how much it should it? Um, so those types types of decisions In, in that case, I mean, I think we, um, we did a fairly decent job of kind of coming up with a, with a, uh, tweak that, um, you know, that we knew it would just be for one year because of the shortened season. Yeah. Um, and, and then, and then one other, one other decision we made was because, uh, you know, we do this yearly minor league book, uh, here's, uh, the 2020 minor league season yeah. is totally <laughs> <laughs> wiped out. So right there's no right. there's no games there's no uh reports there's, other than no stats. teams yeah. yeah teams talking about their own you know how wonderful this player or that player did it at the al- alternate site um and so because that readership for that volume uh is is somewhat less because of the again the smaller scope of it uh we decided for the 20 the 2021 version to just move to a to uh like basically an ebook uh version of pdf right, right. and so we ended up uh doing that and there were some other adjustments we made again sort of in the, trying to thread this needle of uh giving giving folks that normally get that book uh, some sort of new perspective on the information um but also not trying to just repackage everything <laughs> from yeah from the year before oh man that uh, was so difficult and right. so you know, so I, I think just the whole COVID, I mean, just like everyone else, the whole COVID events here, you know, continue to uh, continue to give us opportunities to, well, like you said, to fix these problems. <laughs> but also, you know, to think creatively about uh, how to do that and knowing that, you know, this is a, obviously a very rare kind of uh, occurrence, set of circumstances that we have to uh, deal with. Well,
1: I mean, now also, of course, we have the potential strike hitting. So, it just doesn't yeah. end, Brent. I know. Uh, I remember at the beginning of this past season, I, I had a long diatribe about how impossible it was for my starting pitching rankings. I was just saying, this is just, how am I supposed to do this off of two yeah. months for an entire season now? I have no idea how many innings are going to go for guys. I have right. no idea. Yeah. I, what was real, what wasn't, it's just, it was, it was a lot. And actually it was kind of comforting because I I think every single year I do this, even with the list, I, there's so much pressure to be right. You got to be correct. Mm -hmm. And it was very nice to be able to step back and say like, look, I'm going to be wrong, but we're going to talk it out and we're going to figure something out together and that's fine. And I've kind of accepted that even past it now. (laughs) <laughs> um, and, uh, it makes me, I mean, especially this year, I think just with the list and all, I, there's a whole different way of tackling this analysis that I think I'm going to be applying moving forward of much more of groupings of just saying, look, there's certain reasons you might l- latch onto this. These are all the reasons why this thing could go right for this guy. Yeah. There's all the reasons it could go wrong. And, you know, it, just yeah. the sake that, like Sean Manaya was a top fifteen guy forever, and same with Anthony Escafani. Now Randy, Robbie Ray and Carlos Rodan and right. Kevin yeah. Kelsman, all this stuff. It's just like, yeah, we don't, we have no idea what is going to truly happen, and yeah. we have to stop getting this idea that in the preseason we all know the exact spectrum of this. We just don't, and that's a cool. Yeah,
2: thing. and that's that's and that's you know that is uh, something that is something that. Ron Chandler has kind of passed on to us is that uh, especially since we are heavy into the kind of projections business or whatever, is that you know there's so many random uh, bursts of noise out there that uh, you know that that it's it's a wider error bar when you're doing projections, especially than oh what God, is yes. and what people think <laughs> or some people yeah. think and trying to uh you know explain that and sort of accept that as part of the as part of the uh as part of the business or as part of the right. process uh is just uh so important i think um and, and one, yeah
1: one there's a question there's, i have for yeah. you about uh, like just your position at baseball hq is I. Uh, what, you know, if someone were to try and jump in and apply right now, what would you say uh-huh. is the the ideal application?
2: Um, for like a contributor, like a writer yeah. or something. someone like wants that. to
1: jump in and say, "You know what? I think I want to write about baseball at Baseball HQ. Here's my application."
2: Yeah. Uh, for us specifically, um we're always looking for uh folks that are able to uh, to kind of take, uh, to analyze sort of the new Statcast sort of data and, and uh, specifically apply it to fantasy mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Um, we, uh, and we have, you know, we have some great writers that are doing that. Um, but I think that, But for us, there was a certain amount of just how we uh, approach uh, new data and wanting to get a larger sample size and all that. There was, you know, there was some hesitation for us in a couple of years when that first came out to kind of let it settle and kind of see where uh, some of those things point to. And then and and, you know, kind of. Find ways to integrate that into our work, uh, with our more traditional non-StatCast metrics, uh, which I think, you know, we've, we've, for our, at our site, we've leaned on and have found value in. But finding that integration, um, and kind of critical, critical thinking as you approach that data, but being able to use it in a way that is practical for our readers, because that's an important, um, important consideration for us is like, how is this, is what we're presenting our subscribers, you know, kind of actionable? Um, sure. and one, you know, one thing actually going back just a little bit to where we were talking about our, uh, job descriptions for lack of a better term or kind of what we do day to day. One of the things that we uh, uh, talk about with our writers or I try to um continually remind guys is like that for us, Baseball HQ, we're not in the, like the news reporting kind of business. Like it's not as important to me for us to be the first one to give the analysis of whatever last night's games or whatever. Right. Yeah. But it's, but so it takes away, I think it for that. And and we're not a news aggregator sort of thing either, but we are ones that want to take whatever that news is or whatever, whatever happened, you know, last night or over the past three weeks or whatever in a, in a player's, uh, you know, lines, uh, game log or whatever. And, and, uh, Do the analysis on that. Um, and so we, you know, in trying to kind of keep to that model, uh, is something that I think is, is, you know, distinctive for us and is something our subscribers kind of, uh, recognize and appreciate, uh, about what we, about what we do. So nice. So back to that, I mean, some, some, you know, a perfect applicant would have some sort of Uh, sense of that part of things too. And that's not, you know, that's not something that always comes with uh, a new writer or new analyst that we have, you know, and that's, that's part of what our jobs are as kind of the editorial team to kind of tease that out or to, to, uh, you know, to, to find the, to find the, the writer's strengths and, and, uh, and use, you know, Kind of, yeah, just, just make them the best versions of themselves and in a way that, uh, adds value to our subscribers.
1: Sounds good. Uh, all right. So moving away from baseball HQ, uh, as I promised, this won't be all about baseball, but it's about you, Brent. And (laughs) I, I asked this question to everybody. What mantras would you say that you live by?
2: I don't know if it's a mantra. But something along the lines of uh, keeping a broad perspective of things as much as we can. And I'll relate this to baseball is basically, you know, making sure we have a big enough sample size (laughs) before we're making pronouncements. But in a non-baseball sense, uh, being able to, um, you know, have the nuance Yeah. Um, but also being able to kind of, uh, when you can sort of put yourself in others' shoes, uh, kind of understand their perspectives, um, do it in a way that, uh, you know, you're, that you can have confidence in your own, uh, convictions or feelings about things, but, um, Also being able to listen to others also, uh, and kind of add that, add that to, uh, your mix. Um, I might be, this might be a little too heady Uh,
1: for what you're looking for. It's a very, it's a very long (laughs) mantra. Right. Yeah, it's that's about true on or so uh, <laughs> a mantra. for that. That's why I try to I try to give you a uh, don't lose the nuance. Uh but right, you're saying I mean really just be empathetic and understanding.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, uh be be kind is one thing that has come to me over the past no shock. Over years uh, no uh, idea, Brent. For sure. Uh it's just uh, I mean I think we're as many things different about so many of us um And just attempting to understand each other
1: is important. Uh, Absolutely. I, well, if you come up with one other, uh, (laughs) let me know.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, I I have like other ones. I mentioned them many times before, but know your audience, everything in moderation. There are always exceptions, steps, not leaps. The last one is don't suck. Um, (laughs) just, just don't suck. I mean, that, that I mean, then in turn is be kind, but. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, just don't suck, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really uh, it. It's, it should be simple. <laughs> yeah, um, and just don't. I uh, but um and I, I guess I have one one final question. It's a very easy one. Um, your favorite band? Um.
2: Uh, let's see. I would say I really enjoy. Uh, kind of blues rock sort of genre and so I have a, uh, a band that I listen to a lot called Robert Randolph and the Family Band. Oh is that right Rob Randolph? Robert Randolph
1: yeah. Okay Brent is I a, don't know if you know this um, my middle name not. is Randolph. Okay I did not it's know that. Named after my grandfather who passed away before I was born and uh-huh. it's very strange for me to hear that name in the wild. <laughs> so i will not forget this, so Rob Randolph and the what was it and the family band and the
2: family it's like a, band it's like uh he's a guitarist uh but it's a yeah kind of a blues rock uh outfit um I believe they're still playing around but anyway that's uh that's been one of my favorites nice
1: oh <laughs> i love it and do you, and do you play it on me mean, you said you you were touching percussion a little
2: uh yeah, i have uh I have done some. Uh, I, I've played a kit in the past, but I have several. I have a big African djembe drum that get uh, I get out from time to time. Um, we didn't get into the whole, I actually, I mean, very quickly, uh, my wife and I at one point went to seminary together. I have a seminary degree okay. <laughs> and, uh, she and I have done, uh, she and I have she plays piano and has a beautiful voice. And so we've done some things with piano voice and, and djembe drum and in different aspects of things, not a lot recently, but um, do you have any video of this? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, probably the answer, (laughs) probably there might be some uh, tucked away on a, you know, we've done things that, Friends' wedding and stuff. And there's probably, you know, that it's probably exists somewhere, Brent's, but nothing Brent's, that I can get my hands on at Brent, the moment.
1: There, you need to make this. <laughs> I, I need a witnesses. I, 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 that just sounds amazing.
2: Yeah. But I, but I see what, you know, Alex Fass has tried that and I see what and, and he's doing that. Great, <laughs> you know, you put
1: yourself out there. Uh, I, I don't think there's a single person listening right now that does not want to hear this. Uh, and don't be like Alan Melchior. I'm still trying to get a picture of him with his wonderful mane of hair on a horse. So <laughs> uh, gotcha. I, I, I I, will get that from him too. But no, th- no, really, seriously, I would absolutely love to see that from you, Brent. Um,
2: <laughs> I'll I'll think about that. Okay, I'll take that.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you, that's part of steps, not leaps. I'm not going to ask you to take the leap right yeah, now exactly. when take steps forward. Right. Right. Uh, okay. but anyway, Brent, really, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this today. Sure. Um, I mean, really, I mentioned it before, but uh, meeting you at first pitch Arizona and at first pitch Florida, um, just a very unbelievably welcoming and, uh, positive member of this community. Uh, really a cornerstone of it, um, that allows all of us to stand. So really well, thank you so much, uh, for everything you've done for this industry and, what? uh, before we go, I want you once again, to just tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and, uh, and yeah, the things that you do.
2: Yes. Uh, so yes, you can find me on Twitter at, at Brent HQ. Um, uh, you know, all of our teams stuff is at, uh, at baseball com. It's a subscription based site, but there we do run weekly kind of, uh, we do, we do run weekly free articles to give you, give folks, non-subscribers a taste of, uh, analysis that we do and um, I would encourage people if they're interested to check out our books once they become available for 2022 the baseball forecaster is the main fantasy based uh, major league book and the minor league baseball analyst which will return in uh, paper format in 2022 nice. also um, sometime next month those will be available for pre-ordering uh, and you can find then- out
1: there's More a Pictures exclusive. We got there. Finally, we got the announcement of the, the paper form. Of yeah, the there league, you go. I, right. I uh, uh, forecaster. But, uh, but anyway, Brent, thank you again so much for being here. Um, for everybody. My name is Nick Pollock and that was my friend, Brent Hershey.